What does loving your neighbor actually look like? This is Journey with Care, where curious Canadians get inspired to love others well through real life stories and honest conversations. All right, we are back with our second episode with our very own Kathy Boschman. Uh, this is the second part of her story. If you have not listened to the first part, I really recommend you listen to that one first because you'll be missing a lot of context and just a fantastic story that's encouraging and uplifting. We talked about the whole process of her and her husband adopting their international child. Uh, and that was how many years ago, Kathy? 15. 15 years ago. We ended the episode with them getting approved to go get Sammy and they haven't left yet. And this is where we come in on this episode. So let's pick up right where we left off, Kathy. You got approved for Sammy. You, you have his name in front of you. You know you're going to adopt him. So what's next? Is he going to be brought to you? Do you need to go pick him up? What, what was that process like? There were a few options, but for us, there was no option. We wanted to go and experience Sammy's country. We wanted to experience where he was coming from, the children's home that they were caring for him. There was so much about it that we wanted to be there. There is an option of, you know, zoom in, get the child and zoom out again without really experiencing that. But we chose to go for almost two weeks so that we could appreciate, you know, where he was coming from and uh, have that that experience with him as well as have a, what some people refer to as a baby moon instead of a honeymoon just to have that time together as a family. And what a better way to start your relationship off than with a holiday. <laughs> there are some pieces in there when you go, you do have to get visas for your child to travel because they are still, Sammy was still an Ethiopian citizen. He wasn't automatically Canadian citizen. But even though he was already legally our child and had been for two or three months that had all happened in Ethiopia with the director of the children's home. She's our power of attorney. She goes to the court case and before the judge and confirms all of that on our behalf, which is such a beautiful gift to families. So we we chose to go. And there was going to be a group going in like the beginning of the new year, like in the early January, there was going to be a, a whole group of parents going. But I just remember praying just like, Lord, is there any way that we could go earlier? Like, I was happy to travel by ourselves. Like, I didn't feel like I need to be in a group to experience, you know, together with all these other families. I remember just like, can I ask you, is it okay if I pray and ask you if we can do that early and go? Because when you got Sammy in front of you, he was three months old. How much longer did you have to wait when you found out you got to bring him home? Yeah, it was 10 months. 10 months? 10 months. So he would have been our adopted within, I guess, probably within four, four or five months, but then the immigration piece, like the waiting on immigration. And I think it's even worse now than it was then. Can you tell me about that 10 months? Because I can't imagine like knowing, okay, we have our child, mm. we're going to be missing months of his development. Mm -hmm. And what, what is he going through? What's happening with him right now? What was that like for you and your husband during that time? It was hard. Like it's, you know, you thought you were being very patient leading up to there to even having a child placed with you. And I personally, I felt a grace 
to wait. I remember my friend at the time who had also recently been through an international adoption and they didn't even wait as long as we had to have their child come home. She would kind of shake her head sometimes like, wow, you know, just your ability to wait and just to recognize all these things need to happen. And recognizing too, in even the expense of adopting, just like all these people need to be paid, you know, this is their job. And we're not just paying thousands of dollars to, we're not buying a child. (laughs) We're paying people to care for him. We're paying people to help us get to achieve that dream to to reach that dream of being a family together. So yeah, it was it was challenging and I got myself very busy, you know, volunteering and distracting myself. I think I got a part-time job doing something for a new organization in Winnipeg, you know, helping set that up. It was hard, but it's new it is part of the process, but I think that's why when I was praying saying God, can I ask you if we can go early? That was sort of me at the end of my my patience. During that 10 months, what was the preparation like for knowing you were going to bring a child back home? Yeah, so we had baby showers. Each of our families did a little, you know, something for us. And the church had a shower or a house group or can't remember all those details. But again, community coming around us and making sure and celebrating with us really for the exciting phase that we were moving into. You got to prepare his room and get that all ready, buy some clothes. Is that yes, all part of the yeah. process? Yeah, all those things. We had personally a beautiful preparation in that the Lord brought a, a lovely woman into our lives, an Ethiopian woman who has adopted us as her forever family. And she came as a student and we got connected to her through one of our friends. And she lived with us actually for, I think, ended up three or six months. but. She has become to us a real blessing, again, a mutual blessing, more like a little sister to me than I would say, you know, what you've experienced as a, a daughter. But she, we've become her her forever family in her, her Canadian family, she calls us. And so we have had the blessing of learning so much about Ethiopia, even in preparation for going, and about culture just by relating with her. I'll tell more about that later. But part of that preparation and understanding the culture and who we're bringing into our family and that we're going to become a bicultural or a tricultural family in that Eric and I have different, come from different cultural backgrounds as well. And so we've become this multicultural family, which has been lovely, beautiful. I love it. Yeah. I'd love to get into some of the cultural aspects a little bit later. So you guys jump on a plane, you and Eric. Uh, mm-hmm. Both very excited. Uh, so where did you go to meet Sammy? And what was it like the first time you guys laid eyes on him? It was that moment of a dream coming true when Sammy was placed in our lap on our couch. And, in, you know, from the caregiver putting him in our hands, like... I think it's like surreal in some ways, like we have a video of it, so I know it really happened, (laughs) but it is, you know, years of longing, that whole idea of a dream coming true, that it it feels surreal. And we had time to visit and ask questions and whatnot. And then we went out into the yard and just walked around and Eric singing some childhood 
German songs to him. <laughs> Sammy was rather confused. Yeah, just to be able to point things out to him. He was just one year old, really. And then uh, he actually fell asleep on my shoulder because it was in the afternoon, like nap time. And so that was just so precious, like so, so precious that it's hard to even describe what that that's. I, I don't know what it's like to hold your child for the first time after they've been born. Maybe you can tell us what that feels like. <laughs> I can tell you if it feels anything the same. Oh, the first time was a bit uh, hectic for us. Uh, there were some complications. My wife didn't even get to hold him. I oh. I got to go into a waiting area with him. Uh, but I don't know if we'll do birth stories on this podcast or not. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a whole podcast out there for birth stories. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Have you and Eric been overseas prior to this trip to pick up Sammy? Yes, I had done several over international trips. I was with YWAM in Mexico and Israel in 2001. I had the privilege of going to India for just over a month. And we'd been to Australia and Indonesia together at the end of 2001. It was a very international year. So going to Ethiopia, I would don't think it was as much as of a culture shock as would have been if we hadn't had that experience of going to those other countries. How did that experience feel different from those other trips because the purpose was completely different? Yeah. I wonder if, if we hadn't been to those other countries, perhaps because we were so singular in our focus on meeting our son, that the shock of being in such a foreign place wouldn't have affected us because we were just so, so, like I said, singular on meeting him and connecting with him and bringing him home. Yeah, I don't think it had as big an impact as it would have been otherwise. You got there and you met him the next day. How much longer did you guys stick around? We had 12 days there. The first day we met him, but actually he stayed the night at the children's home. So it was just I think for his sake, just a sort of a more gentle, it probably could have been even more gentle for him if he'd, you know, done that a few days in a row. But the next day we brought him home. So then another 11, I guess another 10 days after that. All right. So you pick up your child and you have more than a week out there with a brand new child, not even bringing him home yet. And you're already taking your child on an international trip. <laughs> so what was that like? How did you guys navigate that? Not having your own space to bring a child into, that would have been challenging. We were prepared for it. So we, you know, had brought along our baby bottles and had all the tips from other adoptive parents on how to put the powder in the bags and put elastic bands on them so you can go for rides and be prepared. So that was very helpful, just having had other people's experience in our back pocket to, to guide us in that. The guest house where we stayed was very nice in that it had, like we had a room and we had a little kitchen and the bathroom, they were all separate. So it felt a little bit more like a, an apartment type situation, which was really, really nice. The one big challenge of the first few days with us was that Sammy stopped eating. He refused to eat anything. The shock for him of being taken from home, what he knew as home, was obviously very stressful. And that really stressed me out that he wouldn't eat. He did drink his milk. That's what he wanted and understandably. And I still remember when 
after three days, we were at a restaurant and Eric was eating his meal, which is very simple food. Sammy, he took food from Eric. And I just remember like, just, oh, thank you. <laughs> like just being so anxious about him not eating. He connected real right away with us though, which, so I didn't feel like that he, it's not that he was crying or, you know, resistant to us. Actually, we had a very positive experience with him when we did bring him back. I remember the first night I just rocked him in my arms and sang to him until he fell asleep. It must have been like 45 minutes just singing worship songs over him. And we sang those songs together probably for three or four years every night. We always, the same songs. So that first night he he let me rock him to sleep. And then the next night I go to do the same thing and he kind of turns his head, looks at me, and then he looks at his cribs and sort of juts his face towards the crib as in like, lady, can you let me just go to my bed and go to sleep, please? <laughs> Which is what he was used to, right? <laughs> so I just, like, talk about good communication, right? Like, even at 13 months old, he, he was very good at letting me know what he needed. And I was able to just let him do his thing and get to, to sleep on his own. But we traveled a lot during those 12 days. We had the opportunity to go to a village called Nazareth. And there was a Canadian orphanage there. And the children all had AIDS and HIV. So they were being cared for. They were not adoptable to Canadians. There were some Americans who were adopting the children, which was wonderful. But we had that the joy of being able to go to that place, bring some supplies and clothes and whatnot from Winnipeg here to them. So that was really neat experience to be able to go out of town and into the savannah and and experience travel a little bit to one of the lakes and and all of that with Sammy. And it was on that trip was the first time I heard Sammy laugh, really laugh. I saw a chicken and I started balking like a chicken and he just was roaring with laughter. <laughs> it was wonderful. So of course, you know, I balked like a chicken for a long time just to he keep hearing that laugh. But it was some beautiful times to connect with him. And he still has days. a contagious laugh. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> so did you notice any any shifts in your prayer life? What did that look like even in the first week of having Sammy? We were honestly engrossed with Sammy, engrossed in connecting with him. But I do remember a few days in, maybe towards the end, I remember going to a cafe Eric and Sammy stayed back. I don't know if Sammy was napping or whatever and going to a cafe. They have awesome coffee in Ethiopia. That's where it's 50. from. <laughs> yeah, like super jolt that every new parent needs. I had this podcast called Awesome Things that I did kind of as an experiment when I was starting out. And I did one on coffee and it talked about Ethiopia. So maybe I'll throw that on as a yeah. fun bonus episode on here. I'd like uh, that. <laughs> just just a fun thing. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So I, I'd gone to this cafe, just started journaling, like just my experience. And I really should have reread it before I came came on today. But I I think just affirming the trust that I had in him to work all things together for good, even though it had been so many years to get to that point, to this place where here I am sitting in my son's birth country, being a parent, being a mother, which is something I had longed for since high school. And 
I think, a deepening of that trust in his goodness, Hmm. his trustworthiness, his faithfulness. I'm sure I experienced many times of like, oh, that's what it means to be adopted in the family of God. You know, there's all those pieces that, that I would have experienced, you know, early on as deepening my understanding of scripture and, and what was meant by those who wrote it in using that as an analogy for our relationship with God. I think the one verse, of course, that maybe hits a lot of adoptive parents is he settles the barren woman in her home as the happy mother of children. That's like my life. It's beautiful. So you guys had that extra time there probably already planned out ahead of time. Were you quite anxious to get home and kind of get life started already? Or were you happy to spend time out there and taking in the culture? Like, was that important to you to even take in as much as of the Ethiopian culture as you can to even pass on to Sammy so that he knows his origins, right? Absolutely. That was, that was really important to us to experience that to have that opportunity to to learn as much as we could and be able to understand the amazing culture that he comes from. Yeah, we we did quite a few of the touristy things. Well, the other beautiful thing that we had was I mentioned in the last conversation we had about our dear friend Adis, who is from Addis Ababa, and she made sure that we went to see her parents, her family that lives there. And they treated us to a feast, but also even more amazing than that was just having a day with them to experience life in Ethiopia with an Ethiopian family. It was so beautiful just to super relax and just to hang out and see their cat and and to see the compound where our friend Adis had grown up and the, in her, her childhood home and meet her parents and I remember her sister-in-law did a coffee ceremony for us after the meal, which is, if you know, people have never experienced an Ethiopian coffee ceremony, like it's really special just to have that experience and to know that this is a really beautiful part of the culture as well. We ate out a lot and I even got on stage and did some Ethiopian dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have video of that? (laughs) Yeah. I probably wasn't as good as I thought I was, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> and something beautiful about the, the Ethiopian culture is just their warmth and beauty inside and out. They're just a very lovely, respectful people that uh, should be honored. So have you seen some of those? I mean, Sammy was really young when you brought him home. When you look at him today, do you see some of those things Ethiopian cultural things that he that he's brought with him. I, I do see it once in a while. He speaks very quietly. Now I don't know if that is uh, common. I know our friend Adis is is quite a quiet person. When we were going through our sort of orientation with adopting from Ethiopia, I remember them mentioning to us that in Ethiopia, instead of saying yes, sometimes they will blink. So that is a way of, of just affirming yes without actually saying the word. And I had forgotten that. And when we arrived in Ethiopia, I remember there was a soldier in the airport with his machine gun. 
were kind of looking at him going like, did we go this way? Like I'm trying to pointing and I wasn't really sure where to go. And he did that blink to me. They don't even nod. It was just a blink. But I'd totally forgotten. I'm like, excuse me, should we go this way? And he did it again. And then and I started asking again. He's like, yes. <laughs> I don't really go that way. Anyways, fast forward many years. Sammy did that to me once. He just blinked at me as if to say yes to me without verbally saying yes. I thought, is that? It just really surprised me to see a genetic communication. Now, maybe he learned that as a baby and it just sort of stuck with him without realizing. He doesn't do it a lot, but I just remember being like, oh, that was very uh, culturally appropriate response <laughs> from him. And, you know, perhaps other Ethiopians would kind of say he definitely responds in that way. But beyond that, I can't really say. All right. So we're going to fast forward a bit. Uh, you guys finish your time there in Ethiopia. Uh, you're bringing him on to an airplane. I share a little bit of that experience. Yes. Yeah. We had to travel. I think we landed in Yemen and then over to Germany and then back to Winnipeg. I remember being really well treated. We actually boarded the airplane on Christmas Eve on Lufthansa, which is a German airline. And they treated us so well. Like they were just giving us the royal treatment like as if we were in first class with Sammy and we had a bassinet. He could sleep there. And Santa Claus came on the airplane. <laughs> they saw him on the wing and he came on the airplane and he was handing out Lufthansa gear, you know, to different people. And that was really, really great. Sammy slept, we slept or as much as we could. But when we landed in, in Germany, in Frankfurt, Sammy would not go to sleep. Like we, we, we had to walk him around the airport. I remember being so exhausted. Just like, please, please, like, let me stop pushing you so I can rest. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as soon as we'd stop, he'd wake up or start crying or whatever. So maybe like just. So you're getting a real new mom yeah. experience, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, the really neat thing was flying home and landing on Christmas Day and coming down that elevator. And there was 40 or 50 people waiting in the airport for us. Just blew my mind to think that people would give up their Christmas dinner together as a family just to be there for us, for Sammy. It was, still is obviously very overwhelming to think of that love that was being poured out on us as a family and to be able to celebrate together on Christ's birthday. I had mentioned in my last, our last conversation that we left on my birthday to go to Ethiopia. Sammy joined our family on that when we got to bring him back to the hotel on my mother's birthday. And then we were able to return to Winnipeg on Christ's birthday or when we celebrated. Really solidified like the timing, the perfect timing, the father's perfect timing. Even back to my question about can I ask you that we can go earlier than than the group, you know? And just affirming his goodness and grace to us over the many years of pain and uh, suffering waiting for this day to happen. It was awesome. Best Christmas ever. Absolutely. 
So we don't have much time to go into what life's been like for the last 15 years with Sammy. Uh, but what about this first few months? How important was community around you at that point? Uh, what kind of supports do you remember were really helpful during that time? I think those first days were wonderful, you know, as much as I'm sure when people bring their babies home from the hospital, you're kind of in like, what is going on? <laughs> and trying to find a rhythm together as a family. We were getting up at 4.30 in the morning because of the jet lag. And I think that first season was very exciting for us. And there was some beautiful things that happened, like church community put on a sort of a welcome home for Sammy and a fundraiser to help pay for the adoption and ended up raising enough to have paid for the trip itself, mm. which was really wonderful and such a huge blessing to us. And just to know that there was that desire and connection to support us that way uh, with the family. I did feel some of the isolation of parenting. Eric went back to work almost right away, which is, you know, understandable because we had to keep living. But uh, then all of a sudden feeling more of an isolation, I think, in parenting. And probably, again, very normal, I imagine. I think one thing that I probably didn't speak up about because it seems very selfish that would have been very helpful is how often you hear of, oh, the new baby, let's bring meals to the family to make sure that they have what they need. And uh, that was something that I didn't experience, which kind of felt like a bit of a, a letdown that way. But I'm sure there's like, oh, well, you didn't give birth to the child, so you probably aren't feeling the physical after effects of, of birthing a child. I'm guessing that's sort of the mentality or whatever, but I think that I feel like I would have benefited from some of that support, just even emotionally, emotional support of knowing that, okay, they're they're thinking about me and, and the challenges of parenting a new child. I think that's so important to bring up because like that's what our podcast is about. How do we love our neighbors better? And even for those that are bringing in foster children, Mm -hmm. Or if if they're temporary placements and adoption, like that's still a new person in a home. Both people are adapting to life and they need to even feel that love and support around them. So mm -hmm. people coming around, bringing meals, you don't have to actually physically give birth to a child to need that support and that love surrounding yeah. you from your community. Yeah. I do want to apologize for anyone who did bring me a meal and I've forgotten that you did. <laughs> Please don't be offended. So that would have been a challenging journey, feeling isolated, like a lot of new moms do, because all mm -hmm. of a sudden they're left alone, their spouses aren't around, and they're left with this new person to care for. What are some ways that you're able to stay strengthened spiritually during that time, and even even mentally, like staying mentally healthy during that time? I think the um, opportunity to get to connect with other mothers going through the challenges of parenting is a really good thing. Moms groups, small groups, and taking those opportunities. But also something I maybe wasn't as good at as I am now is taking care of yourself and taking those the time to get out to exercise, taking the time to 
be silent and to to be in prayer to remember that you are an individual as well as a mother and that you're a couple as well as parents all those very important pieces uh, to keep in mind I know it's hard it can be hard because it's so easy to get wrapped up in caring for your children and their needs and their well-being and but just being able to remember our own is good it's not selfish it's important so that you can care well uh, in caring for yourself yeah and I think there's the whole journey of adoption like that whole mental health piece is huge dealing with infertility you know having gone through those years of it and processing it and grieving really that loss but also in an adoption knowing your family is about to be transformed forever and I even liken it to getting married. You're making a choice to not be single anymore. You're making a choice for this person. And and the same thing with adoption. You're making a choice to add this person to your family. And what a beautiful picture of commitment to one another, to saying, I choose you. You know, just like you do when you're when you're getting married, you say to your your spouse, I choose you from this time forward. And it's the same thing with your child. I choose you, whatever that might mean, you know, for the future. Choosing to love another person that might not necessarily have that same family, that same love if we didn't choose it. And that's what Christ does for all of us every day. He -hmm. chooses to love us and we get to reciprocate that by loving each other. It is so beautiful. And to be able to be a part of it and to experience that as a family together and to live that out is sometimes challenging, you know, as as any relationship can be. But I would make that choice all over again. Now, if you were doing it all over again, I'm going to ask this question I did last episode. What kind of words would have been helpful for you to hear? I think just in the whole parenting piece, I would say to myself, relax, <laughs> enjoy. Because the years speed by so quickly and celebrate each moment. What do you think the Lord thinks about your adoption journey? If you looked at his face and told him that story, what would the look on his face be? I can only think that it's joy. Do you know that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. That, That creation of family. I mean, isn't that what he did? when he created us, that finally being able to pour out his love on us, the human race, that he's made us to be in relationship with, that almost like a a dam bursting, you know, and the water gushing out. It's like, finally, finally I can pour out my love. Yeah. The reality is we are all part of an adoption. He's adopted us in so this conversation is relevant for all of us. We get a glimpse into his heart, and we're so thankful that you, you shared your story, and we got to see a piece of the Lord's heart that you've demonstrated for us. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care, where we inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. You can visit their website at careimpact.ca or visit journeywithcare.ca to get more information on weekly episodes 
journey with prayer, and details about our upcoming events and meetups. You can also leave us a message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast and helping these stories reach the community. Together we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious.